0: Um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com courses. Thanks for the support.
1: Hello and welcome. I'm Alice Grodnick, and this is Moving Up, a podcast about secrets to success, struggles along the way, and life in general. Today on the pod, Kate Miller, the co-founder and CEO of Miss Grass, a cannabis company on a mission to help get the world good at weed. That may sound funny, but Kate does not mess around when it comes to building an amazing business in this up-and-coming industry, what she's doing, and how she's accomplished so much so fast. All that right now. Let's jump in. All right, Kate, thanks for hopping on here.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, excited to speak. We're only a few miles apart right now, but COVID, so doing it over Zoom. Absolutely. Um, but you're a, uh, an LA entrepreneur, kind of now... In the in a really cool space, cannabis space, and uh, I love. I can't wait to hear all about your journey of of how you got to to where you are. Um, we can start wherever you want, but usually people like to start of like growing up. I was an entrepreneurial girl. I was not. I my parents said I had to go work for a big business. Like, how did you think about your early days?
0: So going way back, I love it. Um, Jersey girl. So grew up in Jersey. Definitely was. A little hustler throughout my whole life, even like when I was a kid. um, My cousin and I used to like make beads and sell it to parents on the beach when I was like seven years old and a little bit older than that. The ice cream man used to come around in the summers and he would give me the popsicles that had like broken sticks or something that he couldn't sell, and I would sell it for a dollar to my friends. Like, always kind of was just trying to. Hustle and find the opportunities Um, Not necessarily You know grinding for the money at that time. I guess I just I loved the journey Um, All little fun side hustles and Miss grass actually was one of those but um, grew up in Jersey Went out west to attend college uh, when I was back in Jersey smoked weed probably like most kids did in high school, um, consumed at parties and more socially. Um, Brother got kicked out of high school for weed, so it was always around me, for better or for worse. I then moved out west um, to California for college. Cannabis was medically legal at the time. And it was the first time, as a consumer, I had a choice of what products I wanted to consume. I also, was the first time I tried a different form factor beyond just flour. Um, so I have psoriasis. So I tried uh, cannabis topically for the first time, and it's completely transformed my skin. Um, and I just I did a deep dive at that time on all things weed, um, including thinking, "Wow, major business opportunity." This is the prohibition era of, of what the liquor industry looks like. Now realizing cannabis has much more potential to bleed into categories beyond just like the recreational side of it, like into pharmaceutical and wellness and medicine and um, all sorts of things. So I landed up working as a bud tender while attending college at a dispensary in downtown Los Angeles um, that still exists. And that's sort of what planted the seed for Missgrass. I bought the URL back then in 2008, MissGrass.com, Not fully conceptualizing what it would be but more so feeling that there was a major void in the marketplace for a brand that authentically represented how myself and my friends were consuming this plant which was more consciously and less of that like stoner bro stigma that we all know so well
1: totally and that seems like as you're describing the opportunity for cannabis you're like right yeah that this is this could be like just such an immense industry and then yeah hearing about how the problem that, that you face like it's a problem I face I, I smoke weed a lot in college and stuff too but I haven't done it in a bunch of time and then I went into a, a store recently and it, it's like a little overwhelming all these brands and like the, the the branding and and so yeah I totally see it and not even from a female's perspective but just from my perspective of, of wanting something that's just uh, simpler like, like dosist right?
0: Absolutely. And that's actually what kind of our whole mission is around. We we joke about it, but it's true. Like our mission is to help the world get good at weed. And especially now that this industry is even evolving and consumers who are in a state where there's a recreational or medical legal program, they have more options. And we also just know way more about this plant than we did even a year ago, let alone like a couple of years ago. So consumers are entering into this category really uneducated. So just like they are educated on other categories in their life and conscious consumerism is on a rise and we want to know what we're consuming, why we're consuming it, what's the proper dose to consume it, what's the right form factor. That's somewhat what we decided to tackle um, by educating consumers, equipping them with the resources that they need so that they can be conscious consumers in the cannabis space.
1: Yeah, I love it. So so you're in college, you're Feeling the pain point, seeing the problem, actually conceptualizing the uh, the idea for it, getting the URL, um, but then you you didn't pursue it right away. Like what what got in your way?
0: Didn't pursue it right away. It was truly was thinking like it's a side hustle. I definitely was one of those people that had thirty GoDaddy URLs in their account. So this was one of those thirty. It was probably the only one now that I think about it that I've actually used. But um, <laughs> When I graduated, I, you know, looked at the cannabis space and it was just, it was way too early for me to make a career out of it. Um, So I landed up working in the entertainment industry for roughly just, just over a decade, Um, worked for a television producer out in Los Angeles named Ben Silverman, and then moved to New York and ran brand partnerships for Lauren Michaels and his properties, including Saturday Night Live and Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon and Seth Meyers, et cetera. Um, And meanwhile, Miss Grass was like this little seed that I had planted 10 years earlier, and it was growing and growing. And because I had this, I launched like a really silly Squarespace site that I built, and I am the least tech-savvy person ever. But was selling on it um, accessory products and not even transacting on the site. It was just clicking out to um, brands that had fun cannabis accessory products and was working out an affiliate relationship with them. So they were giving me a kickback of sales. But when I say I have this, like, I want to emphasize, like, it was nothing. It was a site that I put very little energy to. But just because something existed, it allowed me to have conversations and be a part of a conversation anytime cannabis came up. Um, And as uh, towards the end of my entertainment career was when cannabis was starting to, from a regulatory perspective, more and more states were becoming legal recreationally, including California was voted legal um, and had this little silly site up and more and more People in my network were talking about cannabis. I was diving in deeper into cannabis. One thing led to another, led me to have an opportunity to do this big Coachella event um, where we integrated into what was called a Green Oasis, which was an event, a cannabis event at Coachella that these big cannabis brands had major geodesic domes that they programmed out. And at the time, this was pre-Miss Grass launch. um, This is 2017. Um, they gave me a geodesic dome because they didn't have a brand that really spoke to that female consumer. So I landed up doing a deep dive on like where the industry is at that point, linked arms with a couple of brands to curate this essentially like wellness lounge, uh, Miss Grass lounge at Coachella at a Coachella event. And that kind of was the catalyst for like, all right, this is no longer a little side hustle. And this is either like, I need to lean in fully or stop doing it because I have a full-time job. And obviously, you know, the decision <laughs> that right. I made there.
1: Yeah. Well, Kate, it's super interesting to hear that. I mean, like little did you know that your time doing brand partnerships in the entertainment world would translate so well to, to doing something in the cannabis world, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, and so, yeah, I mean, as, as you look back on your journey, like, is there anything that you would do differently over that period, or would you still go do the ten years in the entertainment industry, get like this know how with working with brands, and then and then go and kind of wait for the marijuana industry to mature and then jump in, or would you change anything up?
0: Absolutely, I needed that experience. Um, I could not. I would not be where I am today if I did not have that entertainment experience. Number one, um, and number two, it also this journey, a lot of it, especially in cannabis, because it is a completely new industry, a lot of it is timing. Where if I started this 10 years earlier, the market is not where it is today. It would be way too early for it to be a legitimate business, um, legal business, where you know, it could be you know, making good money and really right. be growing and, and making an impact.
1: Yeah. So, besides the timing piece, what like what what are the skill sets? Is it is it relationships? Is it know how? Is it this brand branding piece? Like, what do you what do you what can you point to?
0: All of the above. Um, yeah. I mean, for me, for my personal experience, the network that I've gained in the entertainment space. One, it really helped me raise my first friends and family round, um, our pre-seed round. A lot of which I tapped into entertainment executives, people I knew through the entertainment space to write checks in our first um, fundraising. So that really helped tremendously. Um, partnerships in cannabis, especially, you can't take out paid media in a lot of the channels that other consumer packaged goods brands can. Like I can't just take out a Facebook ad and reach an audience. So we really heavily rely on partnerships to, uh, for brand awareness, for scale, um, to tap into other ke- people's communities. So that was really vital and just having those relationships with a lot of the brands. For instance, um, we did something uh, early days of misgrass with Beats and that was a relationship that I had from my entertainment days. So absolutely uh, needed that experience to be where we're at.
1: Cool. Okay, so I want to go back to the post-Coachella. You start to like say, okay, this could be something real. What happens next. Is that when the friends and family round came? Do you get a co-founder? Where to go?
0: So a little bit of both of those things. Um, we had I had this Coachella event. At this point, I decided I need to pursue this full time. I've always wanted to do, you know, something more entrepreneurial where I was kind of creating my own destiny and not working for big corporations. Um so I landed up Quitting Broadway Video, which was the comp- Lauren Michaels company, I went to the CEO at that time, who I have an incredible relationship with, um, and you know said, "Here's the thing. I want to do this. I'm obviously in no rush because I have zero idea what I'm doing. <laughs> so I'll I'll stay on as long as needed until I find my replacement, train that replacement, and that actually took quite a few months, like five months before I. Before we found a replacement, and before I could train this person, and looking back, it was such a blessing in disguise because it allowed me to be in an organization, inside an organization that had so many resources, and they, I was fully transparent, and they knew that I was going to start Miss Grass, so I was able to tap into a lot of those resources at Broadway Video, including we had a um, ventures arm that helped me really with like creating my first business, the model that I would raise capital on later on and, um, the fundraising narrative and deck. And, um, yeah, it it just, it really, it really helped me. So I landed up staying there for a couple other months while I was parallel pathing, building Miss grass, um, raised a little bit of capital, um, through network of mainly entertainment folks. I then moved to, California my last day of Broadway video I moved got on a plane moved back to LA because cannabis was about to be recreationally legal and I felt like in order to do this right I needed to be out west and I actually met my business partner funny enough through that Coachella event she was head of content at Dosis the brand that you had mentioned and I reached out to Dosis to see if they wanted to integrate into the Misgrass Dome at Coachella. They didn't, but I connected with my business partner, Anna, at that time because the deck came across her deck, her desk. And um, fast forward after Coachella event, stayed at Broadway Video, left Broadway Video, moved out west. I got an email from Anna Um on her like last day of dosis you know how people send the last day emails to like their entire network and it's like this was a great experience here's my gmail if you want to stay in touch and i emailed her immediately and i was like hey what are you up to we should connect and it was just like perfect timing greater like universal beings bringing us together and her skill set was exactly what i needed as a business partner and we linked arms and we launched miss grass a couple months later.
1: Wow, what a story! And I mean, what I key in on most there is how you basically incubated a cannabis company at Lauren Michaels Entertainment <laughs> Company. I mean, who would have thought that like that could ever be a thing? But I, I think the moral of the story there is like, as you said, like you were did a good job and you were well liked there, so that like they gave you that that uh, that leeway to go do something like that. So it's just like do a good job at whatever you're doing, even if it's not the thing you want to be doing, and like who knows what what could happen.
0: Absolutely, and who knows too who who your network knows where talk about that last day email like my last day email at broadway video i had mentioned like i'm leaving broadway video here's what i'm doing miss grass cannabis like if you want to stay in touch i can't tell you how many people reached out to me from that one email and connected me with oh i have a so-and-so in cannabis you should talk oh i know this investor who's investing in cannabis i should connect you with that person it was yeah, I mean, right. network, it, it's, I know it's cliche, but like network e- equals net worth. Like my network in life has, has really been just so pivotal to my career.
1: Well, authentic network. Like you made real bonds I'm with the people because you did real work and, and It wasn't just like a, a phony, well, I'm going to do this good enough so that I can go start a cannabis company. Like then, like those things never pan out the way, you, the way you want them Absolutely. to. Absolutely. Well, uh, uh, I love it. That's, that's such a, that's such an inspiring, such an inspiring story. Okay. So, uh, so then you guys, you link up with, with your now co founder. Um, and she's got some more cannabis expertise and you kind of like come together and, was the what was the what was the vision for the company at that time? Similar say the same thing to what it is today?
0: The North Star is still say the same thing, which is we're a brand play in the space. As any industry, consumer industry evolves, brands and brand IP become more and more valuable. So we set out, let's build a really successful brand catered to this conscious consumer. So when we were looking into the space at that time, we were looking at some of the brands that existed, like DOSIS at the time and other brands who when you're plant touching, which is, I know industry speak, but like when you're, when you have product on the THC regulated side, you need to manufacture and operate in the state that you are creating and getting your product. So like Dosis, for instance, they had raised a ton of money. They were like the hottest kid on the block in cannabis, but like they only were operating in California. They only had a customer base in California, let alone, they also didn't have like customers can't purchase through doses, you have to purchase through the the dispensary. So they also, there's a very big gap of uh, data from like brands to that. So we decided, let's start as this contextual commerce platform that's operating in the federally legal space. So all hemp-derived cannabinoids like CBD and cannabis accessories so that we can monetize and build a community and a customer base across the entire country and also own the platform so that we actually have the data and have the Intel and have the customer base. Um, So that's how we started. And that's how we operated for the majority of our lifetime until actually just recently, September 17th. So less than a month ago, we launched our first product um, based on all of the Intel that we have from owning the Database and knowing what sells, what's the purchase journey look like, what's the price point, right? All of those things to inform what product we came out with. Which we came out with our first product, Miss Grass Minis, which are mini pre rolled joints that are available in the California market.
1: Okay, so now you do touch the plant.
0: Now we have now we're like a legit weed company. We're like selling weed now.
1: Yeah, (laughs) start start off as Amazon, see what's working. Like, all right, we're selling a lot of hair dryers. Let's Let's go into that business. Own
0: hair dryer exactly.
1: So cool and wow! Just just one month in, so or not even. So how's how's that going?
0: Doing really well. Our strategy is really linking arms with strategic retailers in California, so that we can work closely with them to, you know, pull the marketing levers that we have, being a community platform to help them sell. And in because we're strategically aligning with with a few select retailers, they're also sharing back the data with us more than they would. So. Um, that's what phase we're in, um, now of it. And it's performing extremely well. We have three SKUs, fast times, quiet times, all times, all derived from the intel that our community gave us on exactly what she wants to smoke and when she wants to smoke and what the, you know, white, white weed is for her. And, um, yeah, so we're super pumped
1: about that. Cool. And so going forward, the future of the business is more products that you guys will, will own and more marketing, more content, like more touching the customer?
0: More and more and more of it all, for sure. Definitely more products. That's really what we're leaning into. Um, we're just shy of our three-year birthday. January 31st, we'll be three years old. And we've now you know collected a ton of data and we've built a pretty robust community in, in the cannabis world. Um, so yeah, going to be rolling out a whole suite of products as well as rolling out in different States beyond California.
1: Cool. So Kate, tell me about what, what that means community. So like you've got people that come to your website, you got people that follow you on social media, subscribe to newsletters. Like what, what, what is it all?
0: All of the above, as well as IRL. I mean, I know now it's, there's a, a lack of um, bringing the community together in real life. But over the lifetime of Miss grass, we've done grass, we've done a ton of different events from educational led to fun um, journaling, high journaling sessions and all sorts of things. Um, we did a pop-up in New York last, I guess now, just about a year ago, last holiday season we had a retail store on Bowery in New York City, um, and we had 16 events during the month. And cool. um, so bringing our community together, IRL, um, we have a really uh, robust newsletter program that we push out two newsletters a week, um, social, and then our .com through readership on our online magazine um, and our e platform.
1: I love it. That's super cool. Sounds like maybe uh, podcasts are, are another frontier for you guys.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We <laughs> have explored it. I'm trying to be better at like saying no to opportunities, yeah. which I have been historically through this journey, being distracted by shiny objects in my path and being like, ooh, that sounds fun. Let's do that. And let's do this now. And so now I'm trying to say no more and yeah. staying focused.
1: Yeah, that's the job of a founder. You got to know when to say yes and know when to say no.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, okay. And then the only other piece was uh, the, the new round of funding. How, did, how and where did, did that come from?
0: So the latest round of funding, we raised $4 million for our seed round. And um, that came mainly from pile on from our first round of cannabis investment funds. There's specifically funds that just invest in the cannabis space. Um, so some of those and then real institutional capital when our first round, there was no institutional fund that would touch cannabis with a 10 foot pole, um, because of vice clauses or because it was too new. And our second round, luckily tides had turned. So there was a lot of more funds we could talk to as well as just angels who were investing in the space, um, and yeah, I mean, I think there's, no one can argue that with any consumer industry, brands become really, really valuable. It's like, why did Casamigos sell for a billion dollars? Like, not because it was tequila, but it was because of the brand. Right. Um, so cannabis is going to be no different. It's just a matter of when. Um, and I think that we, especially owning the platform and being the first audience first brand, it's a exciting proposition for a lot of investors. So we oh. have- such an incredible group involved in it.
1: That's awesome. All right, Kate, well, I'll get you out of here on on this. A question about, you know, advice for someone maybe a little earlier uh, on their their journey. Maybe something, you know, that you can reflect on from from your journey about having 10 years of patience to go work in the entertainment world before you started, you know, what you your, I, th- I think your, your true calling is, um, I don't know, maybe something around that or finding your calling or, you know, what, really any, anything, but yeah. p- piece of advice. So
0: what comes to mind is something that I actually, like an entrepreneurial teacher, a teacher in at USC um, that led entrepreneurship taught this like the first day and it always just sticks with me fake it till you make it. And not to say bullshit your way through to success, but there is so much on this journey, especially early days that I didn't know what I didn't know. And even just going into a fundraise, going in with the confidence of like, you know what you're doing, just Changes the game. Um, obviously, you got to figure it out. You can't you get to get to success with like faking it, and you definitely can't get to you can't fake being a president. But other than that, if you're an entrepreneur, I would say fake it till you make it.
1: Yeah, maybe you can fake being a president now, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of that's kind of what he's done. But uh, Kate, this was this was so much fun. I I loved hearing about your journey, the advice, all of it. This was really really great. Thanks so much for for hopping on here.
0: Alex, thanks so much for having me. It was fun.
1: Okay. Talk soon. Bye. Thanks for listening today. If you like Moving Up, the best way you can support us is by telling your friends, helping us grow. Thanks.